You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, there's a lot of exciting things happening around the Gateway Church, and uh, one of the things that I love about you is that you love the Word of God as well. And we're excited about the Word here at the Gateway Church. And typically, if you're new with us, uh, we uh, do something we call expository preaching, where we take God's Word, uh, a passage at a time. We're preaching through uh, the book of Acts this year for the year 2018, where the Word of God becomes the subject. It's not just picking here and there uh, the, the different things, uh, different topics that might uh, be in uh, you know, just come up in our mind, but we believe that God's word speaks, and we love the systematic nature of that. And we've decided to break the book of Acts into four sections, and we did that so it's kind of bite-sized pieces. And uh, we took the first five chapters, and we put the theme that we were created with purpose. And we talked about the church, how it was established, and how God created the church with purpose. Why? To change the world, right? And we laid that out in the first five chapters of the book of Acts. And then we moved into the second uh, chapter 6 through chapter 10. And we finished that up two weeks ago where we were finding the purpose and how we, each of us, need to find our purpose within the body and to be working and to understand that. And we studied Stephen's story and Saul, who will become Paul. And we looked at Cornelius and different things where we're finding the purpose. Well, today we're moving into the third section, and this will take us about uh, seven or eight weeks to get through. And uh, we're going to be tackling chapters 11 through 17. And I'm excited that we're taking a look at the church that is being established, that's really on its way. We're also going to look at Paul and his missionary journeys, and we'll start some of that process. And where the focus now will be living on purpose. So we're created with purpose, we're finding the purpose, now we're living, we're walking it out. And uh, we believe that there are some great messages ahead that are going to capture our hearts and our minds. All living intentionally, again, to reach the world with the gospel. That is why we exist. That's why we are here. And so I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 11. We're going to get there in a moment. And we want to, as we look at uh, Acts 11, it's going to lay a foundation for this idea of living on purpose. And there is a list of characteristics or marks, different things that we can see in chapter 11 that identify a great church. How many want to be a part of a great church? I know I do. And so the question is, what are the keys of a great church where everyone, every member is living on purpose? What does a healthy church look like? And it's not, I'm not talking about in man's eyes, you know, what we might say from the outside, nice building, lights, sound, you know, you know, good looking people, you know, and we got all that. Oh, yeah. But what is the narrative? What's the story of a healthy church from God's perspective? And as I was studying in chapter 11, I saw some things kind of pop out. And actually, there are seven keys. 
truths, characteristics of a great church. And we're going to dive in and look at these over the next few moments. And we'll get through them kind of quick. But the first is that great churches are inclusive. We're not going to read the first 18 verses of chapter 11. It's a recap of this great story of Cornelius, the Gentile who got saved. And the, uh, the, we preached this two weeks ago. You can go back online and read that. But in those first 18 verses, we learned that great churches are inclusive. They are not prejudiced. I want to remind you, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, that we talked about the difference between a Jew and a Gentile and how they were very much separated, segregated. Jews thought that Gentiles were unclean. In fact, as I was studying a little further this last week, uh, in chapter 10, when I was going through there and kind of recapping, I, I read something this week as I was preparing that, that as Paul went into Cornelius' house, he had to defend himself for even going into his house. And I was digging a little deeper about that. And all of these first 18 verses is Paul's defense saying, hey, this is what the Holy Spirit prompted me to do. And then they were okay with it. But there were some prejudice uh, ideas that they had to overcome. In fact, uh, for, for instance, if a Jew or a Gentile went into a Jewish, Jewish house, no, other way, if a Jew went into a Gentile's home, they were declared unclean for seven days. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of a weird thing. You know, you're unclean. What does that mean? It was the same distinction as if a Jew were to touch someone that had died, a corpse. They would be declared unclean for seven days. This was serious. And there was some real deep-rooted prejudice here. In fact, there were two types that they had to overcome uh, in the church. The first was this religious idea, like, okay, Jews cannot be saved, or, or Gentiles cannot be saved, Jews and Gentiles working together. Uh, and, and they had to overcome the idea that Jews did not have, I'm sorry, Gentiles did not have to become Jews, Gentiles didn't have, uh, Jews didn't have to become Gentiles, and all of the feasts and all the rituals, the circumcision, all of those things. So there was a spiritual nature but I think the more difficult thing was the cultural side, the, the cultural stuff, the habits, the mindsets, the way that they lived was completely different, and they had to overcome some of those differences. And as I was looking at that and just praying, I was thinking, you know, great churches today, churches that are, that are great in God's eyes, they are inclusive, and they, we would view every person as equals. There's no one that's better than anyone else. What doesn't matter their color, doesn't matter their socioeconomical uh, you know, backgrounds, it doesn't matter if they're educated or not. We are all on the same playing field. Aren't you glad for that? At the foot of the cross, we're the same. In our soap reading this uh, just a couple days ago, it might have been yesterday, uh, Joel chapter 2, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, is the distinction. And then later in Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, all people. And I just want you to know that there is no place for prejudice in the kingdom of God. And uh, remember that no one anywhere under any circumstances beyond the reach of the gospel. We preached that a couple weeks ago and how important that is. And so the first distinction, the first key to a great church is that they are inclusive. 
But there's a second thing, and that's where I want to kind of pick up. And uh, so you should be in Acts chapter 11, and uh, we're going to look at verse 19 and 20 in a second. But great churches, the second thing is that they are cutting edge. And I love this. Let's look at, uh, and I'm not talking facilities or like, you know, things on the superficial side, sound and lights, but they are cutting edge. They, and, and you'll see kind of what we're talking about here. Let's look at it, verse 19 and verse 20. It says, Now those who were, had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, uh, uh, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. I want to pause there. Remember, when they were first scattered, they thought their mindset was, hey, this salvation is for the Jews and for the Jews only. And it's recapped there. If you go back just a page, uh, at least a page in my Bible, uh, to Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 1, uh, this was you know, the story right after Stephen, the first martyr, gave his life. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so now we're seeing that continue here in Acts chapter 11. And what we see, it was Jews only. But verse 20, it, there's a distinction here. They were cutting edge. We'll see this here in a second. It says, some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and they began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. This was a radical new idea. They were cutting edge for their time. This would have been so outside of the box, but they did it. And they did it because they listened to the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about Antioch for just a second. It was the capital of Syria. It was about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And it was a big metropolitan type of city. About a half a million people estimated living there. The third largest city in the Roman Empire. A lot of commerce there. And uh, it attracted all kinds of people from all different walks of life it would be some commentators uh said it was very much like the uh united states uh like new york city in the united states so just a kind of a melting pot of people and what's very interesting as you study and dive into antioch it was a very wicked place perhaps second only to Corinth, which we studied a couple years ago, if you were with us. Uh, The culture there was pervasive, a lot of uh, witchcraft, a lot of um, demonic activity, a lot of uh, sexual uh, stuff going on, just a very, very wicked place. And it was here, in that place, at Antioch, that God begins to work. And he uses his people to bring a message, and it was cutting edge. In a dark place, spiritually, the Holy Spirit was breathing on the city at Antioch. And this was a major shift in the church. They were now reaching Greeks. No one saw this coming. It was cutting edge. And I just want you to know that when we would consider saying, okay, great churches are cutting edge, what does that mean? What that means to me And for us here at the Gateway Church, if we want to be a cutting-edge church, is we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit in a similar way. That whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, whatever God is doing, that is cutting-edge. 
It's innovative. And we've talked about innovation as a board and as a staff recently, saying we want to be on the cutting edge, getting the gospel out, uh, being anointed, breaking through, and we want to do that no matter what. And it takes a cutting-edge church to reach all types of people. So great churches are inclusive. They're also cutting-edge. But there's a third thing. Great churches are also evangelistic. Let's look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this, The Lord's hand was with them. So they're cutting-edge. They're reaching the Greeks. And God was with them. And it says, A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Great churches are evangelistic. They find people finding Jesus as their personal Savior. There's an advancement of the gospel, the idea of reaching one more. Everybody say, reach one more. You say, well, what is God's heart? It's God's heart is for people. Every life matters to God. And because of that, that should challenge us to live our lives on purpose, being activated, being passionate, being bold. You say, well, you know, it's hard to be bold. And uh, I'll just pick on Barb and, and Marsha uh, that, you know, uh, Barb is a hair cutter. And if you've met Barb, she's, she might be on the bold side. How many would agree? You know what I'm saying? right? Uh, she's willing to talk about her faith, and uh, it really comes maybe easy, but probably not always, but uh, in fact, she was sharing with me recently. She's saying, look, my goal is that not one of my family members goes to hell, and you were telling me that recently, and Barb is, is bold, and some would say, well, that's hard for me, and uh, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm assuming that some here would say, man, you know, I'm not like Barb, right? Uh, but I want you to know, as I was studying this idea that, that, hey, we need to be bold, we need to be evangelistic, we need to be burning inside to reach one more, I read the statistic this week that one in four people will come to church if they are invited by a personal invitation, saying, hey, would you come to church with me this week? One in four will come. That's the, the real-life statistic uh, in the last couple of years in North America. And so I was thinking about it. One in four. That means three out of four won't come, but one in four will. That's 25%. What are we going to do? See, I, our responsibility as a staff and a board and, and as a church as we serve together, we're going to be as cutting edge as we can be. We're going to be doing what the Lord's telling us to do. Not in a weird, but a really irrelevant way. But there's a responsibility for all of us to be evangelistic. I was thinking, who is it that is not here this morning that could be or should be here? And I'm serious. Who is it that we could have or should have invited this week to church? And I'm as guilty as probably anyone here. My encouragement, let's reach one more for the glory of God. Let's keep that on our mind. Let's be an evangelistic church because great churches, they love people and they love people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. There's a fourth thing, and we got to keep on moving. Great churches are not only evangelistic, they are also disciple makers. And this is a really important uh, distinction. 
we are not here just to win people to Christ. We are here to help grow together. We want to grow people to mature uh, believers. We don't want to just uh, stay on the milk of the word. We want to get to the meat of the word. And this includes every single person that is here this morning. Let's look at these verses as it kind of talks about this idea that we need to be disciple makers. Starting in verse 22, it says, News of this reached uh, the church in Jerusalem. What was the news? That they were reaching Greeks and that people were at, being added to the church. So there was a, this evangelism happening. And what did the church in Jerusalem do? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. He arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, everyone say for one year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. As I was reading this, this is really a, a challenging uh, set of verses. They are laying a foundation in Antioch. A decision for Christ was not enough. The church in Jerusalem saw and they said, look, we need to send one of our best to help grow these people to be disciples of Christ, to train them, to disciple them, to come alongside of them, and to, like I said, to become disciples of Christ. And so they sent Barnabas. And we can look at verse 23. He was the guy that had the right attitude, right? He was an encourager. He had the right spiritual qualities. He was a man of faith and was full of the Holy Spirit. He had the right background. As you dig into it, we won't take a lot of time here, but he's from Cyprus, and, and it was a perfect fit uh, that the people would have really received Barnabas well, and of course they did. And then not only Barnabas, but later Barnabas goes after Saul, or who becomes Paul. For one year, they were growing the church. They're saying, look, it's not enough just to get saved. You need to be baptized. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to grow in the Word. And they were doing it to the point that they were marked. That all of a sudden, a name that was not named until this point at Antioch, now those disciples of Christ were called Christians, Christ followers, or little messiahs, technically, where the impact, they were known, they were following Christ. And I was thinking about it and just praying and kind of meditating on this idea of that we have got to be Christ followers. We want to be named as believers, as Christian. And would we be guilty if we were put on, on trial? Is there enough evidence to convict us as believers. And my prayer is that, uh, that each of us would be guilty of being a Christ follower, of naming, of carrying that name of Christian. Great churches are disciple makers. And this is a distinction where we, yes, we want to reach one more, but we don't just stop there. We want mature, healthy believers. How many know that over time, if you're not growing in your faith, 
you're going backwards and we want to continue to see you grow. We want to continue to bring the word, be in God's presence. And one of the best ways to grow is to serve, to give back. And we want to give opportunity to do that as well. Great churches are inclusive. They're cutting edge. They're evangelistic. They also are disciple makers. The fifth thing we got to keep moving is that great churches are generous. They're so generous. Let's look at it. Verse 27. Great churches are generous. It says in 27, during the time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So they're even sending, um, sending their prophets. It says one of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. It says the disciples, as each one was able, they decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They, this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. As I was getting my mind around this and just really meditating on this, I'm saying, man, this church was generous. They were predicted a famine, a drought, and uh, you, it's interesting that if that was being predicted in our culture today, what would most people start to do? They would start to stockpile, wouldn't they? Uh, how many of you remember Y2K, right? You start, you, you start hoarding. You're saying, boy, i got to take care of my own. But that's not what this church did. Instead, in that, with that prediction in the, in the future, they gave an offering to send it ahead, saying, look, we want to give away. And I just know that the principle that I've lived by, my wife and I have lived by for almost 22 years, this next year, our anniversary, excited time. But when it has been most tight, we have tried to give in those situations. And you give yourself out of those hard times. And we believe that God, he blesses that. And that's exactly what this church did in Antioch. And they gave with a good accountability. They gave to Saul and gave to Barnabas. And this church, they were generous. And it's not just the money that they gave. They were also generous with their people. They, were, they sent their two best people, their, their best manpower. And what's great is that I love that churches that are generous are blessed churches. Do you agree? Churches who are tight and greedy, they will not be blessed. And at the Gateway Church, could I just declare over us that we want to be a blessed church? And in, in regards to that, we will continue to give. Some would say, well, man, why are you going to run this crazy race? you got to finish your journey with the building. In the right around October time, uh, we should be finishing up with our building. And you're saying, man, last year you gave away $12,000 for World Vision. And the church did. We raised that as a church. You're saying, man, why would you do that? Because we know that churches that hold things lightly and are willing to do what the Lord is saying, they are blessed. And so we're going to walk that out. We're just going to believe God. And it wasn't in my notes, but we're not only going to send money, but we're also going to send people. And I know that there are missionaries in this service right here that we will send just like they did. They sent their best. 
And it's not just enough sometimes to, to write the check. We need to send each other, and uh, we are going to see that. And we've got some trips coming up uh, as a church. And uh, next week, we're going to talk again about Tijuana, uh, the Mexico, Christmas in Mexico. And I know that the Lord is working in some of your lives and uh, challenging you. You've been thinking about it. You can't get it off your mind. And you're saying, man, I wish he would not bring that up, you know. And I, I, I've been there. But listen, uh, God is calling you to go and he's calling us to go and you're saying well i'm busy right listen you need to go even when you're busy you're saying man things are tight right now listen you still need to go we're going to provide a way to raise those funds and i'll uh, save that for last uh, or, or i need to keep on moving i got two more real quick the sixth thing great churches are generous they're generous they're generous but the sixth thing great churches are also worshiping churches uh, flip ahead, just a, a page ahead in your Bible to Acts chapter 13, talking about Antioch again in verse 1 and 2. It says, Now the church in Antioch, uh, in the church of Ant at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and it lists a few of them, including Saul and Barnabas. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This church in Antioch, they not only got saved, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and we see that a little later. They were, they were baptized, and they were a worshiping church. They were worshiping with their lives. They didn't just go through the motion. They gave it all, a sacrifice of worship. You say, well, what happened? In verse 2, it says that the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And that's what happens when we are a worshiping church, when we are spend time in his presence, the Holy Spirit can speak to us. He gives Holy Spirit direction. And worship is more than just singing. I know that you know that. It's a lifestyle of glorifying God. And the Holy Spirit, he helps us. A life of worship is a life that lives on purpose, which is the next theme here as we move through chapter 11 through 17. Living on purpose and a life of worship is described by a life that lives on purpose. And there's a seventh thing, and I love this, and it comes back to this idea of missions, that great churches are missions-minded. Look at verse 13, chapter 13, verse 3. So after they had fasted and prayed, they were worshiping, they placed their hands on them, this is Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them off. They gave not only of their finances, but they also gave of their people. They sent them off. They gave their best. Can you imagine sending someone with the caliber of like Paul away? At the end of Acts, or the chapter 13 through the, the end of Acts, it's Paul's story, his missionary journeys, and we're going to you know, study that over the next several weeks. But I just want you to know that it is in our future to be a sending church. Yes, writing checks, but also sending people. Men and women, boys and girls, your kids are going to be sent from here at the Gateway Church to the ends of the earth. I believe it. I see it. A couple years ago at our missions convention, the Lord said over the next 10 years, we are going to be sending and already 
we're seeing that happen, and uh, it's exciting. That out of the Gateway Church, there will be a stream of people changing the world. Say, is that going to be hard? Oh, yeah. In fact, your pastor growing up, Pastor Aaron Halavin, told me uh, uh, a couple years ago when, when the Lord was really stirring in my heart at first about this, he said their church made that distinction and they started sending people. And every time uh, a couple that were empty nesters are now you know, serving, and where are the Strongs? Help me remember. In Tanzania, yeah. And so like the Strong family, uh, that by the way, they're going to be here in a couple months, which will be awesome. Uh, but anyway, uh, a, a family that had raised their kids and now they're empty nesters. They sold it all and now they're leaving. And I'm saying, is that hard? Yeah, because they were connected. They served and they were givers in the church. And, and Aaron, he, he encouraged me. Pastor Bruce's uh, pastor growing up said, look, God, he replaces those people. As you send, God, he gives you the best. He, he, he fills those seats again. And uh, we believe that that's in our future. And I had this revelation as I was praying, and, and I really believe that this is from the Lord, that a church can only go as far as the people are willing to go. I want to say that again. A church can only go as far as the people are willing to go. Practically, just real practically, that's the truth. Put it in your context, maybe if you're a business owner, your business can only go as far as you, you are willing to go. Or maybe your family, your family can only go as far as that family is willing to go. I was thinking about it on a team aspect. Uh, if you like sports, uh, you know, the Cavs and the Celtics have been battling it out. And uh, uh, the first two games, uh, the Cavaliers, uh, um, uh, help me out, uh, what's the Cavs, the real guy? LeBron, he scores like, you know, over 40 points and is just killing it, and they lost. But the, this last, last night, they had six players that scored in double digits, and it was the team effort that allowed them to just crush the Celtics because they were better as a team. And that team can only go as far as that team is willing to go, and if it's just one person, uh, they're, they're in trouble. In my own life, uh, at our, in our family, our son is just getting involved for the first time in marching band and, uh, and, and for high school. Yeah, you're going to have to come and see him, and it's going to be awesome. But uh, we're, we're learning. It's kind of a new discovery in our family that this is serious business, right? And there's camps, and there's tryouts, and, there's, and they spend a lot of time over the summer together. And they, they go to, uh, they get away, and, they, they, and you guys have been there, uh, some of you, and, and we're just getting our feet wet with that. But the idea is that that team, that marching band, is only as good as, the, they, as they spend time together. And the same is true for a church, that a church, the people, they will only go as far as the people are willing to go. And so I'm calling you out. I'm saying, hey, this is our time to step up. I've had some conversations in the near, in the, the late future, just uh, in the last week or so, with some people that have been on the sidelines saying, hey, this is time. This is your time. Let's get involved. Let's find a place. Plug in. And I believe that it's time for each of us to live on purpose. As we move into this next section of Acts, we're talking about living on purpose, what it means to walk it out. Have we arrived? Not even close, but we are on our way. And I'm calling us out saying, this is our time 
to live on purpose. It is not time to give up. You say, well, I've been through some hard things. I understand. It's time to step up and to serve. You say, well, you know, you don't know the hardships or you don't know the sickness. You don't know what we're, what we're facing. You're right, but God does. And he calls us, even in those hard times, to live on purpose. I really appreciate Pastor Bobby. We were talking about some that are on the worship team. And he was just saying, boy, it's so great to have people on the worship team that are going through some hard things, that they're leading worship from a difficult place. And uh, I don't remember how you said it exactly, but what I heard you say, Bobby, is that, that when someone that's in a difficult spot is stepping up and still serving, it's an example to someone else that knows their story that says, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And again, I'm calling you out, saying this is your time to advance the kingdom. This is our time to reach one more. And with that, I want to pray and ask the Lord to just challenge us in this area. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that in these next few moments, you'd put the desire in our hearts to be a part of a great church. Understanding that a great church can only go as far as its people are willing to go. And Lord, I just believe that you have great plans for each in every one of us. Lord, this is our time. Lord, you're preparing us. You're helping us. And Lord, it starts with reaching one more. And Lord, this morning, I'm praying that you would add to your church even now, in the next minute or two here, for those that are calling out on your name. And Lord, then activate us all for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, maybe you're in a situation where you've kind of gone through the motion. Maybe you, you've, uh, you know, you grew up in a church or in a tradition where you thought you were okay, and but you're saying, "Man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus." And you saw some of the folks that we baptized. You're saying, "Man, I relate with that story." Or Today is your day. If the Lord is stirring in your heart and you realize you need to surrender, you need to give your heart to Jesus, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Who here first service is saying, boy, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Is there anyone first service here? Yeah, thank you. Yes. Who else? First service. Anyone else? we got a lady right back here. Anyone else? Hallelujah. All right, for the sake of the one, would you uh, just repeat a prayer after me? And for the lady that raised her hand, would you please repeat this after me? It's not that the words of this prayer is what saves you. It's the believing in your heart, putting your faith in Jesus. That's what saves you. And so, But let's do that together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sin. Take it away. As far as the east is from the west, I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross and that you rose again. You did it for me, and I put my faith in you right now. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. And we rejoice with the one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a story. How God is moving, using testimony of others. And uh, God, God is so good. And we'll follow up in just a few minutes here. And I uh, just believe that God is continuing to work. But I want to just address for each and every one of us, out of the seven characteristics, the keys to a great church, I want you to pick one. And I don't know if we can do this or if it's in the slides this way, but if we could just kind of flash through those. The first was that great churches are not prejudiced. They are inclusive. And for some, you're saying, man, that really speaks to me. I, I need to be more inclusive. I need to, to bring others in or to be more understanding of other cultures or different things. If that's you, uh, that's the one you might pick. For some others, you say, man, when you talked about being cutting edge, um, I want to be a cutting edge believer. I want to do what God is doing. I want to be right where God wants me. And maybe that's the one takeaway the, that you'll pick. For others, it's the evangelism, saying, boy, I need to step up my game. I've really got to reach one more. I'm I got to invite somebody to church. And one out of four will come. So I'm going to invite four every week. Come on. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Lord's speaking to you. The other is that the great churches are disciple makers. Say, man, I need to grow deeper. I need to take someone deeper with me. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's speaking. Great churches are also generous. And maybe the Lord is talking about your level of generosity. And maybe you've kind of been holding on. Listen, this is the time to give and to give it as the Lord leads you to do it. Great churches are worshiping churches. And I'm not talking just about worship in the sense of singing, but living a lifestyle of worship. And the last one is great churches are missions-minded. And maybe the Lord's calling you. Maybe the Lord's been stirring in you, and uh, young and old. And uh, I love the story of the RV mappers. And I'm, I've run out of time, but uh, Bill and Mary uh, Nemeth, would you guys just give us a wave? They're leading our team, our RV mappers. And I think of their story in the marketplace, working for Meyer and building Meyer stores all over. And uh, now they're serving churches all over the United States put 50,000 miles on their camper over the last few years, and uh, God is using them and blessing them, and God may be calling some of you to step up and to do the same or to serve in a way, go to Tanzania like the Strongs that we're going to meet in a couple months, or uh, we are missions-minded. But anyway, can you pick one of those things and say, God, I'm going to just focus on that this week. And if you, once you get that one in your mind, I want you to stand up right where you are, and we're going to close in prayer. So what's the one? Is it about being inclusive or being cutting edge or evangelistic, being a disciple maker, being generous, being worshipful, being missions-minded? Can you, can you identify one? Once you do, just stand where you are, and we're going to close. And I won't, I won't close until we stand. Uh, which one are you going to focus on for this week? saying, Lord, help me in this area. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you speak to each of us in different ways, in different seasons. God, I pray that you would just put your hand upon our lives, that you would strengthen us, God, for the work at hand uh, that's ahead of us. And God, that you would do something supernatural in our midst. And Lord, I pray as we leave here momentarily, after we talk with the Team World Vision, all of us, right? And uh, after we do that, Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it 
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God after we meet right up here for the next 10 minutes. Just make your way up to the front if you're interested in uh, learning more about Team World Vision. God bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.